Hey guys, welcome to another quick study, I guess, episode session of my podcast. I'm just sitting in the car waiting for it to warm up. I just finished work, so I thought I would quickly record an episode so that I don't get too lazy when I get home and then it doesn't get out. And then it's been days and days since I've released the previous episode. So anywho, besides my inconsistencies, today I want to discuss myocardial infarction or formerly known as or is known as MI or you might also know it as just a heart attack. So um, MI usually results from the death of cardiac muscle which is usually related to prolonged severe moderate to severe ischemia. Um, Generally one or more areas of the heart have reduced blood flow to it so it has Um, decrease oxygen flow so then that results in chest pain and then other cardiac symptoms alerting the individual that they are having an MI and let's see let's see let's see let's see so usually if the person hasn't if the person is what do you say typically healthy well not typically healthy sometimes it's sudden or it can be like a chronic um, thing so it can be like a sudden chest pain or it can be like a chronic gradual thing that occurs if the person has um, coronary artery disease I cannot speak today Um, coronary artery disease or any other um, heart disease that might put them at higher risk for developing an MI so that might be like a prolonged or a creeping up MI instead of like a sudden one where the person's like oh I didn't realize I had heart disease and all of a sudden I'm being hospitalized for a heart attack so it can be one or two things um so for so the onset usually cell death generally occurs in about three to six hours after the person has started feeling symptoms or after the ischemia has happened in the heart because it's not likely that every individual who has a heart attack will know they're having a heart attack or will be able to distinguish that the symptoms they're having are symptoms of a heart attack. So mostly it's a sudden change in basically a clot that has formed in the vessel that dislodges and then plugs the arteries that supply the heart itself and then that leads to reduced perfusion and then that leads to the angina that people will feel like having chest pain tightness squeezing there can be different um, sensations of pain in the chest area up in the neck and the arms so referred pain that can happen that might alert this person hey something might be going on here you should get it checked out so you can also get um, vasospasms associated with platelet aggravation or cocaine abuse. That can, those two things can put an individual at a high risk of um, a heart attack. And then also, like I said, an emboli, which is either associated with having coronary artery disease where the plaque is there and then it somehow gets dislodged or the person has AFib, atrial fibrillation, where they are at more risk of forming clots that get thrown into the vascular system and then get clogged up in the smaller vessels of the heart itself. Um, What else can cause it? So basically, the individual might be fine at risk, 
for symptoms of heart pain, but sometimes it can be aggravated when the demand for oxygen increases and the heart has to work harder and then they start, those symptoms are then prompted. So they could be sitting on the couch, no problem. This is for someone who likely has coronary artery disease or chronic heart disease. Just chilling on the couch, doing nothing, but as soon as they exert any sort of movement, so like if they went out and mowed the grass or if they went out to shovel the snow, then that activity aggravates the chest pain and sets it off. And then there's also a type of um, chest pain where it doesn't really matter if the person is sitting and doing nothing or if they're doing an activity, they still have that chest pain. So there's two types. There's one that's aggravated and then there's one that is basically happens... Even if you're sitting, you could be sleeping, you still have chest pain. It doesn't have to be activity um, stimulated. So the activity stimulated would be when stress situations increase and then the myocardial oxygen demand goes up, but then that plaque or that constriction is there that's reducing the blood flow, so it can't really increase the oxygen supplied to the heart. Even though the work of the heart is increasing, it can't catch up with the work so then it feels chest pain because then it's having reduced perfusion um let's see what else i can tell you about an mi so if you're in the clinical area you basically want to know where the patient's having chest pain how severe the chest pain is for them if they could rate the chest pain between 0 and 10 10 being the worst 0 being no pain and then um Let's see, what else, what else, what else? <laughs> so things that can affect like the, the severity of an MI could be either the duration of the occlusion, so how long the vessel is occluded, and then also um, metabolic and oxygen needs in the body, how much harder does the heart have to work, and how much perfusion is getting to that area of the heart that's suffering and can't respond to the increased needs of the body and then also the extent of if it's a, if the chest pain is related to chronic heart disease is there collateral blood supplies like has the body tried to basically detour the area that is occluded and still reach that area that's affected by growing out new vessels that are bypassing the area that is occluded Um, and then also you want to monitor their heart rate their cardiac rhythm their blood oxygen that would be their saturation so they can also get labs done to measure if there's cell death going on when the patient experiences symptoms or presentations of an MI. So usually they can recognize it by the appearance of um, troponin in the blood, myoglobin, um, CK levels, LDH levels. These are all indicators that will be released by the cells to indicate we are hurting, like there is tissue death occurring. Those are the labs that might start to increase which would then tell us there's something going on cardiac wise now i was saying earlier that not everyone gets the typical presentation of an mi 
this would be females, they are more likely to have an atypical presentation and also individuals with diabetes will have atypical presentations of um, MI. So they might get symptoms such as dyspnea and fatigue instead of the regular chest pain, crushing pain, sharp pain. The like the telltale signs of an MI will be like quite different in women. So they might get like the very vague symptoms. You're like, oh, I just feel tired. I feel fatigued. And then when they go in, if they feel like they, you know, they don't feel well enough and they go in and they discover, oh, I'm having a heart attack. So females will have abnormal presentations of an MI. So you got to keep that in your mind. Let's see what else I can tell you. So the typical signs of um, an MI. So you can compare it to just because if patients have chronic heart disease, they might have chronic angina. So you can try to distinguish between these two. So angina is can typically be um, described as pressure, heaviness, squeezing, constriction, choking, burning, tightness sensation, um, rather than pain, sharp, stabbing, pins and needles. So that would more be like, like a myocardial infarction, where you would get severe, diffuse, and steady substernal pain, which people will describe as pressure like squeezing or dull and comparing the two an angina typically will last two to five minutes whereas a myocardial infarction where there's actually cell death occurring um, you will get that pain will sustain more than 15 minutes and then comparing angina and an actual MI so typically the events that lead up to it so for angina it may be elicited by activities situation that increase um, myocardial demand Grad- it could be gradual in onset and offset and then also when you go to compare it to the actual heart attack happening it occurs spontaneously and it may be an it may be a consequence of unstable angina so unstable angina can cause or lead to a heart attack. Stable angina typically can be treated and wouldn't lead to a heart attack as, you know, with the, there's a less chance of it because it's more stable than an unstable angina. That's when you know, there, hey, there's risk of like cardiac um, tissue death here. It needs to be looked at, whereas Stable angina can be managed in the outpatient clinic with medication. And then, what else can I tell you? So for angina, or you can refer to it as stable angina, risk, nitroglycerin, and oxygen may be effective to resolve the symptoms. Whereas in unstable angina and or MI, it won't be relieved by rest. Or nitroglycerin. Like you might, the patient might get a couple doses of nitroglycerin, but the pain persists. Where then they require opioids um, for pain management. And symptoms that you might have for angina, stable angina, shortness of breath, nausea. They might get diaphoretic. You, they might have nausea. They might have indigestion. 
they might have dizziness, lightheadedness, clamminess, and fatigue. And then symptoms for an MI, feeling of impending doom is a common one that patients describe. They might feel fatigue. They might have cardi, um, cardi. They might have bradycardia. They might have tachycardia. They also might have nausea, vomiting, hiccups, shortness of breath, dizziness. They might feel like they're. They might feel palpitations in their chest. They will have anxiety. They, I can't say they will because females have um, abnormal presentations. They might have anxiety. They might have fear. They might have hypotension. They might have hypertension. Um, they might have arrhythmias due to the oxygen and the heart rea- and the cells reacting to that oxygen being reduced. And then also they might be diaphoretic. They might be cool and clammy. And um, you might notice facial pallor also. In relation to the cardiac biomarkers, in stable angina or angina, usually they are within normal range. In patients who are having an active MI or unstable angina, they will be elevated. So treatments for myocardial infarction are pain relief. So you're giving them either um, opioids for pain, morphine is a very common one that is given for um, MI. And then you also, if they have, if they're on a cardiac monitor and they have dysrhythmias, you might want to stabilize the heart rhythm. Um, Revascularizing of the coronary artery. So they might have to go in and surgically get those valves, um, remove the clot from those valves, or they might get a bypass, like a coronary bypass, or people call it cabbage. And then you want to preserve the myocardial tissue, so you're providing oxygen to them to help meet their increased oxygen demand. You're reducing their cardiac workload, so you're making sure they're resting, making sure you're not disturbing them and then they're not doing unnecessary activities. Also, um, you want to do thrombolytic therapy, um, giving medications to reduce the clot size. So they might get Plavix, um, which this is depending on the provider, so I can't say they might get Plavix, but they might get um, an um, anti-coagulant agent to help with the clotting. And then also, what else, what else? They might get a stent put in. So that would be another surgical procedure like the cabbage procedure with the bypass. So if they have blocked um, parts of the coronary artery, like I said, they'll go in and surgically remove that clot or do interventions to try to open up that vessel again. And typical pharmacological therapy that you might expect for a myocardial infarction. You can remember it by MONA. I remember this was a very popular acronym in school. So it's basically morphine to relieve the chest pain, but this could be any other opioids that the physician sees is appropriate to treat their pain. Oxygen. You want to increase their oxygenation to reduce the ischemia or tissue death that's happening in the heart tissue. They might get nitrates. These vasodilate, so they open those vessels that are constricting, those vessels that are occluded to increase blood flow to that area to decrease the risk of the tissue dying. And they might get aspirin, which is immediately given 
Um, if the patient is at home and they call EMS and they're basically t- telling them symptoms that might be indicating a heart attack, EMS will get them to chew um, baby aspirin before they come into the hospital just to help with potential um, clotting that's happening that is occluding the vessels. Now for nursing assessments for patients with chest pain, you want I mentioned earlier, you want to determine the intensity of the patient's pain describing it from 0 to 10. You want to ask any events that precipitated the chest pain and the pain quality. Was it after they ate? Was it after they worked out or walked up a flight of stairs? Was it after emotional stress? Did they have a stressful day and that set off the chest pain? Where is the pain? Does it go anywhere? Does it radiate? Was it sudden or was it like a gradual increasing chest pain? How long did the pain last? Does it go away or is it constant? Um, also, you want to ask, was there any other symptoms that you felt alongside the chest pain? Any nausea, dizziness, um, palpitations, shortness of breath? Is there anything that made it worse? Is there anything that made it better? How was the pain relieved for you? And then also when they're in the clinical area, the doctor will likely order a 12-lead ECG. You might have them on a cardiac monitor down in the eMERGE, but once they get up to the clinical floor, if it's just a general med surge, they likely will just have those um, serial uh, ECGs being performed every couple of hours just to see if there's any improvement or if it's getting worse. So you're observing patients for signs and symptoms including are they diaphoretic are they short like do they have shortness of breath um what else the color of their skin is it pale is it flushed do they look like their peripheral limbs are cold like can you is there if you press on the nail of their bed is it less than three seconds are their limbs getting enough perfusion is the patient comfortable put them in high fowler promotes the best ventilation for them of course you're giving them oxygen you're um, obtaining their bp taking their vitals taking their apical heart rate um, respiratory rate and what else are you doing for them um monitor for pain relief after you give them pain medication is it working is it relieving their pain and then um the frequency of the vitals and how often you take them likely will be ordered by the by the attending and or provider. And what else for nursing considerations? <laughs> of course, if you're trained, you could analyze their um, rhythm strips, have them on a continuous cardiac monitoring if that's what it's called for, and then you're doing a full head to toe for them. And then you could also, um, for nursing care, provide stool softeners to prevent straining when they're going to the washroom, which could then increase the workload of the heart. And then you're also providing that thrombolytic therapy. So you may administer heparin, depending on what the physician orders. Um, you're putting them on bed rest. I'm just trying to read my notes here, guys. So if you're hearing me thinking out loud, that's me trying to read my notes. I hope you guys are having um, a good day, good night, depending on what time of the day you're listening, um, where you are, here, I guess I'll just say in Canada, here in Canada, um, it's getting a little bit cooler outside, 
So that's why I'm sitting in my car waiting for it to warm up. Well, it's pretty warm now, but I was waiting for it to warm up when I got off of work. And what else, what else, what else? Teaching, teaching. Okay, so when you're wanting to teach the patient, so you want to just explain to them their medications that they were taking or are going to be taking when they get home from this hospitalization. You review any dietary recommendations or restrictions they need to follow when they get discharged. Particip- um, participate. Encourage them to participate in a cardiac rehab if that's what the physician deems is necessary for the patient to um, progress and recover. Um, you can counsel them to resume sexual activity progressively, so not you know all at once, slowly, whatever they can tolerate. I don't think a lot of us talk talk to patients about you know their sexual activity very much. I think most of the time it's awkward for the staff, but people are curious. People do engage in these activities, so it only makes sense to explain to them after having a heart attack that it is okay for them to re-engage in activities that they were engaging in prior to hospitalization. Um, You can also basically um, educate them on ways to monitor their symptoms if they get worse, who to see, who to call, how to get help if they need to come back. Advise um, patients of the typical and atypical chest pain that people can present with so that they might know for future reference if they have another episode. Um, Stress the need to stop smoking if the patient is an active smoker. And then you can always offer them resources for that too. All right, and that is my chaotic review of the MI or myocardial infarction. I hope you guys get something from it at least, just a quick study review. I hope it helps in your study. Um, I feel like I'm starting to record longer and longer episodes. I mean, when I was in nursing school, I really loved watching, like, YouTube videos that explain these concepts, and then also trying to find podcasts that would explain these concepts so that I don't have to be sitting at my desk all day and I can review these topics while I'm like doing other activities, doing chores, and I can multitask and don't feel like I have to be sitting at my desk consuming the information in one place, you know? It gives you, I guess, diversity in um, how we can study. So that's why I started this podcast, just so people can have another outlet to consume study material. Um, And hopefully this helps in your studies. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, great rest of your night, wherever you are. Um, And I will try to release another episode next week should be more organized my notes should be more organized I'm just trying to like force myself to um, basically publish episodes on a weekly basis without um, being inconsistent so that when I said I'm going to release I'm going to release an episode so that you guys have something to review for your studies alright I will stop babbling now you guys have a great rest of your day bye now